Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to do deep things in my heart, mind, and soul. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others develop a relationship with Jesus through His Word and His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to have you here. Today, I'm going to talk about how to study the Bible. I certainly am no theologian, don't have a divinity degree, just a person who's dug into the Word of God for 20 years, and these are just a few little ideas on some of the ways I study the Bible. I'm sure there's far superior ways out there, but this might just get the ball rolling for you. I also want to mention I'm not talking about Bible study for doctrine formation. We'll do an episode on that. That's very different. Um, We need to know our doctrinal beliefs in terms of how to be saved, what we believe about the nature of God, and those sorts of things. This is just general Bible study digging in a little bit deeper than you would with surface-level reading. I once heard Raymond Woodward say something in regards to Bible study. He said, the difference between Bible reading and Bible study is what you write down. I think that's a very good take on it. So the first thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to get a good notebook that you like writing in and get a good pen. Study tip number one, just like school. Don't get bogged down with the things I'm going to share today. I'm just going to, again, give you a few pointers and some of the things that I've learned. The second thing I would suggest is to get a paper concordance or to download the Blue Letter Bible app. The Blue Letter Bible app is incredible. I use it literally daily. It is a library in an app. It has a full Strong's concordance in it with Uh, definitions for the original Hebrew and Greek words. It has dictionaries. Vines um, is a very popular dictionary. It has commentaries. I personally read a lot of Matthew Henry commentaries. Um, Also Charles Spurgeon. I really, really, really enjoy them. They're a little old-fashioned, but so many times God has ministered to me through the things they wrote about particular verses. Also, you can read side-by-side versions. So on my Blue Letter Bible app, I have King James on the left, and I have New Living on the right. I personally read King James all the time. I believe it's the most accurate. But I like to see sometimes what New Living has to say. And so it just sheds a little bit of light on the King James. That's very, very helpful. There's a lot of other tools in the Blue Letter Bible app. You can take notes in there, etc., One thing I do want to mention with that, I recommend that you have your own Bible. Don't read the Bible in your app. Use it as a tool to supplement your actual physical Bible. You need a Bible that you can literally fall in love with, that you can shed tears on, that you can highlight, that you can mark up when God shows you something. You need to be able to circle verses or 
however you prefer to do it, but you need something that can become your own because your Bible is going to become your best friend. And I highly doubt that a Bible on your phone would have that same sort of impact. So that's definitely a very important thing in studying the Bible. You need to have a Bible you can mark up. In addition to the Blue Letter Bible app, which is my predominant study tool at this point, I have referenced the archaeological study Bible at times just for archaeological things. Also, Haley's Bible commentary I've used at different points. A lot of times I Google things and just read several articles. I know we can't trust everything we read on the internet, but when you're just doing some basic study, you can kind of get a little bit of a general idea. Um, And I've referenced certain other books. When I first started studying the Bible and just digging in, I had a paper concordance that I had received as a gift when I graduated, and I wore that thing out. I would read a verse or a word would sort of jump off the page at me. I would dig into the original meaning in a concordance. If you don't know how to use a concordance, I'm sure there's probably videos on YouTube that could tell you it's a little bit hard to describe uh, with voice only and no ability to share images via podcast. But definitely, that was how I started. And so many times, it was just in me digging back into that original language that God would break me and minister to me so, so, so deeply. So definitely, you know, just kind of slow down with the text of Scripture. Let words jump out at you. Let lines jump out at you. Ask questions of the text. What does that mean? What does that mean for me? How does that apply to my life? And so that's very, very important in studying the Bible is to ask questions, get inquisitive, get interested. Don't just read it and just walk away like it was a piece of cardboard. This is a living, breathing document that is alive, that's a love letter from God that he wants to show you things in. And you will find the coolest things when you start looking back into the original language. Also... I've done, there's a lot of different types of studies that you can do. These are just um, a few suggestions. You can do topical studies. For example, today I'm going to share something I wrote about contentment. You could write everything, every verse down. Like you could search in Blue Letter Bible the word contentment or content, and it would pull up every time that English word is used in the Bible. And you could write down every verse on a particular topic. Once I had a really severe struggle with jealousy. This was probably maybe six months or a year into my Bible reading and prayer journey. Someone got a new car, and I loved that car. It was so beautiful. And I went home that day after I had seen it, and I literally sat myself down by the couch, and I searched up every verse I could find on jealousy, on covetousness, And things like that. And I wrote them down in a journal. And literally the power of the word of God broke that jealousy. I didn't feel that anymore. I had felt it that first time I saw that car. But so that's definitely a way that I have worked myself through a number of struggles. So topical studies are great. Character studies are great. You could pick an Old Testament or New Testament character. David, Moses, Esther, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, Jesus himself. And just study the story of those individual characters. Um, Once I was just so intrigued about how Paul talked about the body, and I literally started studying the human body. I would watch different things. I even watched um, an open heart surgery 
for something I wrote on YouTube, literally watched it happen. Um, and so I, I just, again, just sort of love that correlation of what we see in the Bible and the spiritual with what happens in the natural. And there's definitely a, um, a correlation because God is the God of the spiritual and he's the God of the natural. You could do a study on the book of Acts. The book of Acts is so amazing. It is the only history book in the New Testament. In the Gospels, we see that Jesus trained 12 men to establish his church. In the, in the book of Acts, we see them establish that church. And then the rest of the New Testament is letters they wrote to that church. And so that's a very fascinating study just on the book of Acts. Sometimes I've... Um, just maybe studied a particular topic. For example, I recently wrote about gold and I watched the process of gold being refined. Actually found that it's so interesting. There's 13 steps and just correlated that to different scriptures. I've studied out how perfume is made because the Bible says that we are the fragrance of Christ. Um, There's just so many different ways that you could study the Bible. So again, just get a good notebook, get good pens, write things down that's what really constitutes study is what you write down because you can't reference it or remember it if you don't have it written down buy a good bible that you will love get a concordance or download the blue letter bible app probably the better option because it gives you a lot of access to a lot of study tools and then just there are some different types of studies that you can do i would also recommend another resource and that is something called eat this book written by melanie shock i've been through it twice And that is fabulous resource material in terms of learning how to study the Bible. She has fantastic, fantastic ideas and suggestions and probably much more formal um, ideas than what I just offered here. Again, this is not study for doctrine formation. This is just general tips for digging deeper into the Word of God. Let the Word of God pick your interest. Let things jump out at you. Be an explorer in the Word of God. And speaking of exploring, if you've never been through a Bible study, there's a Bible, Bible study called Exploring God's Word. My church teaches it. I personally teach it. Find someone who can teach you a Bible study, a survey course of the Bible, Bible Genesis to Revelation. It will help you understand that grand scheme of the Bible, the themes, the overview, the Bible skeleton. And we are going to have an upcoming episode with a Bible skeleton or a Bible overview in the next few weeks, I hope. So stay tuned for that. Again, those are just some very basic study tips, but I hope that they help you dig into the Word of God a little bit. Today, I am going to share an entry that I wrote when I was doing some research on this topic of contentment. And as I wrote this, I just came to the realization that Paul learned to be content. Contentment is not our natural bent. It doesn't just happen. We have to learn to be content. And so today, I'm going to share, I have learned to be content. Last week, I heard myself say, I am just hating this season so much. It actually kind of shocked me when those words came out of my mouth. How many times have I told others, Don't despise the season. God is just working in ways you can't see yet. And yet all my preaching is up in smoke in my own desperate season. Since that moment, I have heard Paul's words in Philippians 4.11 on my mind. 
For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Contentment is a learned state of mind. Contentment is not our natural bent. Our natural mind is always reaching for something bigger, better, more ideal. Our natural mind is always trying to peer into the future and view what we hope will be better than right here, right now. Our flesh has the desire to acquire, and discontent and dissatisfaction are states of mind that we easily sink into. And because discontent is natural, we must learn contentment. I have spent the last little while trying to define content and contentment with Thayer's, Strong's, Merriam-Webster, Google, and the like. Honestly, it's a little challenging to pin down. Content in Philippians 4.11 is Greek number 842, and this is the only time it is used in the Bible. It is defined as sufficient for oneself, strong enough, or possessing enough to need no aid, independent of external circumstances, contented with one's lot, with one's means, though the slenderest. I don't have time to write out all the other definitions I've read, but in essence, to be content is to be satisfied with what you actually have and to be satisfied with where you actually are. It is a settledness in the present. Contentment chooses to silence the voices of unmet desires and possibly even unmet needs and chooses gratitude for what it indeed possesses. Contentment is still and calm, even when my flesh is crying out, you need this or you need that. Contentment is a learned quality that I choose to silence the voices that say, when I get blank, I will be happy. When I figure out what's next, I will be satisfied. When X, Y, or Z happens, then I'll be okay. When God brings me to the fulfillment of calling, then I'll be grateful. No. I learn contentment in the present moment, in the present set of circumstances, in present ownership, and in present means. It is a satisfaction with reality and a silencing of greed, lust, covetousness, and the like. Contentment is largely about living in today. I am seeing more and more clearly that one great kingdom principle is the principle of today. Jesus told his disciples, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. While our eyes are to be fixed on eternity, and while we do what we can to prepare for the future, our energies are best spent in today. As Elizabeth Elliot said, it is today for which we are responsible. God still owns tomorrow. The only peace of my life that I am assured of is the present. This moment, this day, may be all I have. I must learn contentment that says today is enough. I will love today, live all in today, serve today, sacrifice today, be thankful for today, focus on those in my life today. I will rock today. It is what I actually have. I will be content with today. It is in giving my best to God and others today that unlocks my tomorrows. You see, ultimately, tomorrow is also made up of todays. And if I don't learn to be still, settled, and content in this day, it is unlikely that I will be content in those days. God unlocks the future as I make the most of what I have now and as I am faithful in the little things. Living in today is one key to contentment.
Paul, who said, I have learned to be content, wrote those words from custody. Whether he was in an actual prison or under house arrest, it was not the most pleasant circumstance of his life. The man who boldly declared that he had learned how to be content with a little or a lot was a man who had faced severe hardships and walked through many trials. He had learned contentment in the school of difficulty. How did he do that? As I read Philippians 4, several other keys pop out at me. In a few preceding verses, Paul had listed some attitudes that made contentment in any circumstance possible. In verses 1 through 3, he's others-focused. He says, You are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. He goes on to show appreciation for a few specific fellow laborers. In verse 4, he chooses to rejoice in the Lord. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Everywhere, all the time, be glad, wear a smile. You can wear a smile and a cross at the same time. You can be cheerful even when enduring great amounts of emotional, mental, or physical pain. Paul makes no exceptions. He says, Rejoice always. In verse 8, he says to pick your thoughts. Think on these things. Make a decision about the thoughts in your mind. Focus on noble, just, pure, lovely, commendable, virtuous, and praiseworthy things. We have the ability to choose the perspective of our thoughts. We can agonize over what we don't have, or we can appreciate and care for what we do have. We get to choose what we think on. And what we think on will largely determine our contentment level. Okay, I got out of order. Verses 6 through 7. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. This is multi-layered. Paul is not offering suggestions. He is giving commands. Don't worry. Instead, pray. Talk to God about every need, request, burden, and care. But don't just bring him your list. Bring it with thanksgiving. Not the holiday, but the attitude. Being grateful for what we already actually in fact have is a major key to contentment. Major. Giving thanks fends off discontent. He carries on in verse 7 to say that this action of bringing needs with thanksgiving will open the door for the peace of God to keep our hearts and minds. Backing up to chapter 3 for a point number 5. He reminds us that we are citizens of heaven. Paul says we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He states that our vile body will then be fashioned like unto his glorious body. I have never thought about this before, but likely Paul had a body racked with pain. From his writings, we know that he had endured many beatings, shipwreck, and other calamities. These undoubtedly had taken their toll on his physical frame. The hope of a glorified body and the hope of seeing his Savior undoubtedly fueled his contentment in any state he found himself in. The hope of heaven makes contentment here possible. I can be calm in my now because my hope is in my then. In learning contentment, Paul has offered a few keys. Number one, focus on others. Number two, rejoice always. Number three, pick your perspective. Number four, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. And number five, remember that this world is not my home. Thank you, Paul. 
If anyone had a reason to be discontented, it is you. Aged, imprisoned, a body racked with pain, the memories of your past that haunted you and reminded you that you were the chief of all sinners, the weariness of years of travel, the burdens of the care of the churches, abandonment by Barnabas, Demas, and others, betrayal and beatings, shipwrecks, fightings within and fears without, battling beasts at Ephesus, a thorn in your flesh. We could have seen a very different Paul. We could hear the words of a haggard, embittered man, but you learned contentment. You learned to trust the sovereignty of God when unforeseen circumstances arose. You chose to rejoice when you didn't understand. You chose gratitude and set your eyes on heaven, and because of it, we hear no twinge of bitterness in your words. Instead, we hear the sweetness of a soul anchored in contentment, a soul at rest in the goodness and graciousness of God. You go on to say, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Instruct here is number 3453, also known as 3453. And this is the only time it is used in the Bible. Its definition is so beautiful. It means to initiate into the mysteries, to teach fully, instruct, to accustom one to a thing, to give one intimate acquaintance with a thing. Thayer's goes on to expound on Paul's words, to every condition and all the several circumstances of life have I become accustomed. I have been so disciplined by experience that whatsoever my lot I can endure, I have learned the secret of contentment. What is one final secret of contentment? In the very next verse, Paul continues, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How can we be content when our world is rocked and we are shaken to our core? How can we be still and settled even when pain and questions surround us? It is in the simple fact that Christ gives me strength. He is the source. He is the supply. Paul had plugged into the vine. Paul had learned contentment because he knew that Christ would give him strength. He could thank, rejoice, and endure because the flow of Christ's resources was being channeled to him and settling him in the deepest places of his soul. Paul had been initiated into the great mystery of contentment. Contentment that defied reason or logic. Contentment not based on circumstances or possessions. Contentment based on the knowledge of whose he was. I can be content through Christ who strengthens me. I have learned to be content. The Apostle Paul. Again, that was a little thought called, I have learned to be content. We live in a world where we are taught to constantly reach for bigger, better, more fashionable, prettier, better for the likes on Instagram. We've got to have more and be more and do more. And really, social media has just fueled that sense of discontent that we have. But God wants to bring us to a place of gratitude for the things that we have, and he wants to settle us down into his unshakable love. He wants us to be content with him. I close with a final quote from Amy Carmichael that I love. 
she said this. She said, he wants us to say, he can give it to us to say, my Lord, my love, I am content with thee. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I'm so glad to have you here, and I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions, if you'd like to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's show, you can go to MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your Bible and your journal. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is Unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday.